0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're having a conversation with Christy Bells. When I thought about why I wanted to talk with Christy and share our conversation, it's because I've known Christy for years, but we lost touch. Then she wrote a book, Oh God of Second Chances, Here I Am Again, and I caught it on Facebook. Not long after, she reached out to me, and we decided, meant to be, she'd be a great guest. Now, I've read her book, and honestly, I couldn't put it down. I highlighted and posted noted so much that, frankly, I'm not even sure where to begin. So I think we should just jump in and see where the river takes us. Welcome, Christy. Hi, Robin. Great to be with you. Oh, I'm so happy you're here, Christy. I loved your book. It and that you loved it. as I just mentioned, I like I'm holding it and there's so many notes and there's so many synchronicities in it that I was reading it at a coffee shop and my husband kept saying, what, what? <laughs> so I would love if you would be so kind for those that don't know you, um, pretend we're at a gathering and someone asked you about yourself. What would you tell them? Your background, how you got where you are? Oh,
1: well, wow. that's a great question. Um, so I always start from I'm from Kansas. Um, so you'll note on the cover of my book, I have red cowboy boots on, that little angel that's walking. Um, that's my Kansas roots, born and raised in Kansas City and um humble beginnings. I grew up uh with a mom who worked at a uh or a what do you call it? A snack bar at the bowling alley, and my dad worked as a lineman for the power company, and I had a brother who I write a lot about in the book, Mike, who was, um, you know, unpredictable, and so it was kind of chaotic growing up, and so I think that for me created a lot of resilience, and um, I didn't go to college out of school. I went to work, and I was very fortunate to work for a company that was growing very fast, um, and so I had a successful career early on in sales and marketing. And then I got this crazy idea that I should quit my job and I should put myself to college to become a social worker. And people thought I was crazy, crazy, crazy. So that idea of shifting out of that major uh, professional role and into the field of service and social work was really an inner guidance for me. Um, I then moved to Denver, Colorado almost 25 years ago to be with my now husband and I um, uh, we had a baby in twenty, in twenty or two thousand, um, and I decided to start graduate school while I was pregnant, which was kind of nuts. But I worked um, in the non for profit sector, uh, working with women with low incomes that were transitioning from welfare to work, and have really just developed a huge passion for women's and women's empowerment, women and women's empowerment. Um, and then I quit my job as a social worker. Quite frankly, I was a bit burned out and decided to come home and be a stay-at-home mom. And I like to say the universe had a different plan for me. And so I ended up calling myself a coach and people would come to work with me over the years. And through that work, through my avid uh, desire to learn and to grow, I um, created a course called Uproot. And about two and a half years ago, just prior to COVID, um, my mother passed away. And I think out of that grief and loss and then the COVID time, um, that's when this book was birthed. So the book is really about my personal journey. A lot of personal stories in the book for me. Um, I also curate Ted talks as part of my philanthropy and my, my service work. And so that has been a really enriching experience for me. And so I, um, in co-curating those talks was able to pull in women that I've worked with both on the Ted stage and, and usually in coaching them in my practice, um, to help share stories, so that women's women's stories, um, so women realize that they're not alone, right? So sharing that, and then a whole plethora of you know of tools and techniques and research, uh, people I follow, and different things. So, yeah. So now I call myself an author and a coach um, and a teacher. So, lots of different roles in my life right now.
0: Wow, that is a lot. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) It's fabulous because there's a progression from what you were doing to entering therapy. And it sounds like from there, you were able to go inside and that um, inner guidance led you to decide you were going to serve differently. We serve in marketing, but this is serving in a new way, right? That's
2: right, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then so my
1: quick joke, you'll get this. I always say, you know, sales and social work, they're really the same. Sales just pay a hell of a lot more. <laughs> ah,
0: there you have it. Yeah. But you're still serving a client. That's right. Discovering yeah. what they need and how do you help them to get to what they want. Yes. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, are you still uh, co-creating the TED Talks? I have finished, um, that project
1: in my life. So last year was my last time. I'll stay in touch with that network. Um, I love the work, but just the, the time commitment with my own curriculum and my book, um, I just don't have the space in my life to continue to, uh, commit as much time and energy into that. So love TEDx Cherry Creek women. They are phenomenal, phenomenal, that group, um, and really powerful. I mean, there's nothing like putting a woman's Um, idea we're spreading on the stage and watching her blossom and go forward. So yeah, love it.
0: The workshop, are you still doing the workshop and remind me what it's called?
1: I am. So I wrote a curriculum called Uproot, your ultimate potential and your relationships, work, organizations, opportunities, and transformations. So I really, it's a 15 week course that I um, have taken 40 women through so far. Um, and it's really about looking at what's below the surface, what we could call like more the unconscious below the surface. It's a root analogy. So it's a tree, right? So we look at what's underneath what's in the root system. So we pull those core roots up and then we start to ask what's possible as we start to expand and grow more in our lives. So it's a really powerful course. It's all online, which is amazing. Um, so people can go 24 seven to the curriculum and then once a week you come to work with me. So, Um, I put my little Christy magic on the work and help support people through the process of that once a week in a zoom call.
0: Okay. And for our listeners, I will make sure to get the link from Christy and put it in our show notes so that they can find you. Thank you. Um, along with the book, which, (laughs) um, they can also buy. um, if They go to the show notes and see the link to the bookstore. So um, both of those will be in our show notes. So Christy, um, this podcast is called Mindful Conversations, because my mind is so full of so many things I've heard, read, or seen. And I'm wondering, what's one thing you have heard, read, or seen that has impacted where you are today?
1: Mm, Really great question. And so many, you know, I I have to think that uh, the most impactful thing that I've learned and know is that we are whole, perfect, complete at the core of who we are, that nothing that has ever happened to us or to us really changes the essence of who we truly are, Um, you know? And I think the other one that I really work
0: with a lot
1: um, with women is I'm enough.
2: I'm enough. Mm.
0: Well, that lands for me. I do that work myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something yeah, our listeners right. can all identify with. Well, not all, but many of our listeners mm-hmm. will also be able to identify mm-hmm. with. And enough comes in many shapes and forms. I have yes, enough. I am yes, enough. It's, it's, I do enough.
2: That's right. That's right. You know, once you start to
1: recognize that enoughness, you're right. It It is the... It's, it permeates everything. Like you just said, I'm enough. It's enough. There's enough. Right. So we, we really expand
2: our ability to recognize more pure essence, you know, who we truly are
0: and to accept it. Yeah. 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 How did you come to that To Um, we are whole perfect, complete at the core of who we are and I am enough. What was it that, um, Where did you hear that, read that, learn that, do
2: that? Yeah, um, that um, whole, perfect, complete has been a mantra
1: that I've used for many years. I don't know exactly where I got it. I suspect it was probably in some of the spiritual work I've done over the years, right? When you really see that innately, like the essence of who you are is just pure love, right? And that is whole, perfect, complete. And I think as somebody that went through as much trauma as I did growing up and in my life, Um, that I, I didn't know that. And so when somebody started to teach me that, that there was a part of me that was never affected by anything that happened to me when I was growing up, right. Or the bad decisions I made or whatever, right. Those things are they're They're the exterior, but the internal part of me is really knowing the truth, right. Let that see is perfect. It's whole, it's complete. And the enoughness really comes from values work. When I work with clients, I work a lot with getting them clear on what their values are so they can stand in integrity. Like, so they're aligned with their values. And when I look at some of the, like Barrett's values work, it really comes down to that enoughness at the core. Like when you really get that you are enough at the core, right? It permeates again, everything else. So that value of I am enough.
2: That's that's central to living a life in, of integrity.
0: Wow. Boom. All right. Well, tell us, Christy, what is something that your mind is currently full of? Oh gosh! <laughs> so I think you know this, but I'll share with your readers. I spent this
1: past week down in Florida recording my book. So I've been in a studio doing the audio for my book and my brain is just like, <laughs> <laughs> not only reading my book aloud, right. But speaking it into a microphone and knowing it's being recorded, like it's kind of mind blowing for me. Um, and it's difficult work. I had no idea how hard it was going to be to um, read my words and put them on uh, So other people are going to be able to listen to it in my voice. Mm. That's big. And there's so much, as you know, the sticky notes and the highlighting and all the tools that I offer in the book. Right. There's so much there. So reading it back again, I'm reminded of the teachings that I teach. Um, And so that really fills my my mind full of um, ideas and thoughts. And I don't know, maybe
0: another book too. Funny that you should mention that because um, I don't know if you know that I recorded a friend's memoir. No, I did not. And so I'm curious what made you decide to do it yourself versus getting somebody else to do it for you.
1: Yeah. That's a great question. I feel like, um, my voice matters. You know, I think people that know me, people that have worked with me, um, they, they will value listening to me, take them through a meditation or telling my own story. Right. And doing it in my own way. And I'll tell you the enoughness piece comes up a lot because I'm fumbling, I'm stumbling, and I'm working with a great, um, audio guy right now. He's like, "Christy, it's you like, you know, so he's really kind to let me just fumble through it and and go, but also give myself grace to know that I'm, you know, I'm not going to have the perfect recording, like maybe some other books, but it's going to be authentic and it's going to be real. And it's going to be me.
0: I don't think there's a perfect recording out there as someone yeah. who listens to a lot. And yeah. I know what it took to record the book I recorded. It was, yeah. it was one of the heaviest lifts I've lifted. Yeah. Um, And I go back and I listen to myself and I'm like, oh, I wish I had said that differently, but I did the best I could at the time. And I think that's That's something we all need to give ourselves grace around. We do the best we can with what we have in the moment. That's right. And you know, for me, it's not about
1: being perfect. I have no desire to be perfect. My TED talk that I did in 2016 was about the illusion of perfection, that there is no such thing as perfect, right? So for me, it's really important to be authentic like that, to know that I'm not perfect and I'm not going to enunciate every word properly. And I'm probably going to make some stuff up. We're going to talk about that right <laughs> in the writings, like making stuff up as I go. I, I just said during the story, I can't even imagine what I'm with, listening back to this, like what I'm going to get um, versus what's written on the page. So <laughs> <it'll be> funny.
0: <laughs> funny. You should mention making yeah, stuff up. I know. Isn't that because funny? Because <laughs> That was one of the things that jumped out at me from your book. And just the other day, I had a long and thoughtful conversation with a new friend about making stuff up and I call it MSU too, just like you do. And I am working on catching myself. Um, I'm curious, how do you catch yourself and what can you tell our listeners about this concept? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, there's facts. And then there's stories we make up about the facts, right? So really it's about the clarity of being objective and being clear about what's so versus what we tell ourselves. And I think the way we catch ourselves, Robin, is by getting clear about what emotionality comes up for us about what happened, right? Because once we spiral into some sort of emotional reaction to something that happened, then we know we're into the story, right? Versus just being in the facts of what's so like, here are the facts. I tell the story in my book when I was, um, when I was leading the nonprofit that one of the co-founders was still in the office with me and I used to get so frustrated. Oh my gosh. It was so hard sometimes to just be like, um, objective. And so I'd go into her office and I'd be, you know, railing like on something and she'd go, Christy, just tell me what happened just tell me what happened. Like, and I would go through the facts of what happened. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I don't have to be all pissed off about that. I don't have to be. (laughs) So I think anytime we start to spiral in any level of adding emotion to a feeling
0: or an experience that we're in the story. Wow. Is that helpful? Yeah, I'm thinking about how sometimes I just need to say ABC, but then I map on all this stuff. Right. And I don't need to do that. It's not serving me and it's not serving you. And quite honestly, people don't want to hear it. Right. That's and I don't have to do that to myself. What that does to my insides. Yeah. Isn't fair to me.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. And it is a practice, you know, it takes practice to be aware. Mm -hmm. to really stay present to what's so, and then, you know, allow yourself to get down to like, Oh my gosh, I'm spiraling. I'm in this place of a whirlwind of emotion. Like, let me pull it back. Let me, you know, let me trace that back to where that came from and then just get really clear about what's true. What's true here. You know, Byron Katie's work is, I love that question. Is it true? Is that true? Are you really sure? 100% sure it's true. Right. Because when you are looking at the facts, they have to be true, right? They have to be like, what are the facts? What are the facts? Yeah. I give a little exercise too in the book. So literally you can just draw a line down a piece of paper and you put facts on one side and you put MSU on the other. And then you start to write down the facts. Here are the tangible things. Here's what was said. Here's where we were. Here's the time. Here's the like absolute tangible objective facts and then you start to write down what you made up about those facts, right? He came in and uh, uh, you, I don't know. I try to think of one uh, An example in the book I just read was, you know, my husband comes home from work and he throws his briefcase on the counter and he goes upstairs and and I'm like, oh my god, he's mad, he's upset about something, he did something wrong, whatever, right? And the reality is he probably just needed to pee. Like, I don't, you know, the story that I could make up about what that that is, right? And get myself in a tailspin about what that was about versus just being clear about,
0: oh, you know, what's really true here? There's a briefcase laying on the counter and he went upstairs. That's a great example. And then we can ask, if we want to know more, we can ask questions. Hey, I'm making this up am i am i right am i not right and yeah. i find that 50% of the time when i make something up i'm not right that's right <laughs> that's <off>. right <laughs> and in the book you mentioned you often engage in the practice of asking your heart questions versus asking mm-hmm. your head
1: can you mm-hmm. tell us about
0: that and how you know when it's your heart answering and not your head
1: yeah that's a great great question too so um i love heart math have you heard of heart math the heart math institute can you spell it for us? Uh huh. It's heart, just like your heart, and then math, one word. And you can go to heartmath.org or heartmath.com. There's math a great or map. Math, M-A-T-H. Heart, heart math. Heart math. Okay. Um, tons and tons and tons of science all around the heart and the energy of the heart and you know um, experiences that people have experienced all over the world. Really tapping into the heart energy coherence, bringing an alignment between the head and the heart. So this is a science that I've trained in and and absolutely have come to love. And one of the techniques that they teach is called a heart lock-in. And these techniques are so simple. So I'd love to take you through this, Robin, and take the audience to it because it's so much easier. Let's do it. Talk about it. Okay. okay? Yes. So I just need to close your eyes if you're
2: comfortable. Just give yourself a deep breath.
3: If you can find a rhythm of in for three out for three. Yeah, just allowing yourself to settle in. And I want you to think about
2: something you're pondering something you want to know something about something you want to know an answer to.
3: And I want you just to drop into the heart and ask the question. When you're ready, you can open your eyes and tell me what you noticed. That I asked myself what happened
0: um, in a situation with someone. And the answer I got was, it's not just one thing. It was a culmination mm-hmm. of a lot.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's life yeah so um how does that feel it feels it feels graceful like you know what you I can let myself off the hook I didn't do anything wrong right there were a lot of things along the way that just didn't fit and that's okay Yeah. yeah so that's how you know it's your heart right because you
1: feel a sense of grace you will feel a sense of peace you'll get the knowing that that's like a yes that's That's how you know it's your heart. If you think about it, right, and you try to figure that out, which I think you've probably been doing for however long since this happened, right? What you're doing is just recurgitating all this information that like never settles, right? It just keeps going back and forth and around. And we call it ruminating, right? You just ruminate over it and you ruminate over it. But if you ask the heart, the heart will answer. And a lot of times the heart answers even before you get the question to it. It's that
2: powerful. It's far more powerful than the heart, the head, far more. Wow.
0: All right. We will put that in our show notes also. Yeah. Heart math, Perfect. Heartmath.com, right?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Heart lock in technique. Is that what, that what that is called?
0: Yep. Through a heart lock in technique. Okay. Wonderful. All right, Christy. So I have a laugh out loud moment with you. Again, another, oh my God, my husband's like, what are you laughing about? (laughs) On page 95, let me get there. Um, I tell, I use an example. I tell a story all the time to folks. Mm -hmm. And you write about the story and it's called, There's a Hole in My Sidewalk, Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. (laughs)
1: Love it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I tell that story all the time. Oh, yeah. Because it is so something that I have observed in myself and I have observed in others. So I'd love to take a moment, if you're good with it, and actually read it.
2: Please do it. What do you, do you,
0: th- what oh do you think gosh, about that? It. I love it. Okay. I love it. All right. So, what you say is forgetting can be painful. Portia Nelson. American singer, songwriter, actress, and author wrote a brilliant poem called There's a Hole in My Sidewalk, autobiography in five short chapters. It goes like this. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It's not my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street there is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I do not see it. I fall in again. I cannot believe I'm in the same place, but it's not my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I fall in. It's a habit, but my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down a different
2: street. (laughs) But how perfect is that? That is such a great,
1: beautiful written poem and analogy for our lives and what we do, right? We just get stuck in those old patterns and we don't take personal responsibility at first. I call them cosmic two by fours, right? We get another one, we fall down and we get it in, we get in the hole. We finally figure out we have to take the responsibility to get out. We have to recognize it. You know, we have to walk around it. I mean, so many things, but you know, it's hard sometimes if we don't live a conscious life to just be aware of these things, right? There's literally a hole in the sidewalk, walk down a different street. Right? <laughs> it takes a long time to, to walk down a different street. Yeah. It can. I don't think it always has to, Robin, but I, you know, I think the more we practice and become consciously aware and more aligned with authentically who we are, right? There's a real opportunity that we always don't have to walk down the same street
0: or even walk around the hole that was there. We can choose to walk down a different street. I love that word. You know the word you keep using is can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my friend. We have just a few more minutes. Yeah. One more thing that we're going to yeah. laugh about and okay. do together quickly um, is that in the book, you mentioned Dan Pink. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I love to laugh again, because with <laughs> the exception of Ken and Carol Ross, who is another great coach, I know, they went to D- they went to Northwestern with Dan. Mm-hmm. Very few folks in my Denver life even know who he is. I love yeah. him. I follow him. I get his I everything. Yeah. So um, I have a tradition. I ask a question from Deep Talks Daily Questions, and I've discovered them by way of Dan, and he uses them in the mornings. There are 365 uh-huh. intriguing queries generated using artificial intelligence, which is such a hot topic right now, too, isn't oh, it? Oh, huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So you want to try one? I'd love to. All right. Pick a number, Christy, if you would, between one and 365. 55. Scrolling
3: to 55. Do you ever have trouble deciding what to do? Is that the question? That's the question. Mm-hmm. hmm
2: hmm I do sometimes have a hard time deciding what to do.
1: There's so many choices. (laughs) There's so many opportunities, right? And
0: so how do you decide?
2: Yeah. I ask my heart. I'm a heart-led person, right? I just, I ask
1: my heart. The heart always knows. You know this from the chapter in the book on a heart. The heart always knows. So if I have a hard time deciding, I ask my heart.
0: All right. Well, that certainly ties in, doesn't it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. All right, my friend. I can't believe how much time has flown. Last question. If you want listeners to remember one thing about you, Christy, what would you like that to be? Mm.
2: Gosh. um, One thing they want them to know about me.
3: Um, I love people. I love people. I just love, you know. How do you define love? Um.
2: Just a deep sense of equanimity, like a deep sense of it's okay. We're all okay. Yeah. Just a, yeah, a real groundedness. Great.
0: All right. Christy. Wow. Thank you so much for taking this time to talk with us today. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Everyone. The book is fantastic. It's called, Oh God God of second chances.
1: Here I am again.
0: Here I am again. And I am saying that to myself, Mm -hmm. able to give people second chances. So I appreciate um, that you reached out. That it worked yeah, out you. that we yeah. can do this together. I've yeah. learned. I've learned from you again. This is like the fifth time, oh. and um, I'm always grateful. Well, I'm grateful right back,
2: and thank you for having me.